Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm excited about what God's doing. Amen. I'm excited because we're, not only are we hearing about people receiving things, but we're seeing people get things. That's a great testimony, Doris. Amen. Prayer works. <laughs> I said prayer works. Hallelujah. The power of the blood is still available. And because of the blood, we are free and free indeed. Amen. Thank God for that. You know, we're getting ready to enter into a time of celebration of freedom uh, that we've had for over 200 years right here in this great country of ours. And I, But we see the freedoms slowly, gradually, just being taken away little by little. But thank God there's still people. God's still got His appointed ones, even in government, that are standing up and said, Enough's enough. Hallelujah. And it's time that we get back to the freedoms that are ours. Praise the Lord. We're free. We're a free people. Why does everybody want to come to this country? Because we're free. We're free. And uh, I tell you what, I want everybody to start wanting to come to church because we're free. We're free in our spirits. We're free in our life. God has freed us from sin. We're freed from all of the things that the Lord's done for us. Freedom's one of the greatest proclamations ever announced. I tell you what, freedom doesn't come easy. There was a price paid for our freedom. There, there's a big price that was paid for our freedom. A lot of tombs that have, they have the tomb of the unknown soldier because there's many, many, many men that never got to come home from, uh, uh, to get a proper burial because some of them were covered up in their uh, foxholes or whatever, you know. But thank God that freedom, there's a price to it. Our freedom in the Lord, there was a price to it. Jesus paid the price, the supreme price, so that we could have the freedom. And, uh, you know, uh, you can do whatever you want to do, go, over, go wherever you want to go, but I want to tell you something, we are still got the greatest nation in the world. Praise God. I've traveled all over this world. I've been to many, many countries, been to many African countries and many um, uh, countries, the Dominican Republic, uh, Haiti, uh, Mexico. Um, we've been in a lot of places where there's a lot of poverty and a lot of people that don't have their freedoms that we have today. Listen, a person wants to get out there and proclaim that there's no God, he's got that freedom. Amen. Somebody wants to come up and, and, and say anything, they have that freedom because of the, the price that was paid to give us that liberty and that freedom of speech that we do have. But you see, that same freedom is ours too. And we can proclaim the gospel of the good news. Hallelujah. And we can praise the Lord and glorify God because of the freedom. Over in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter and the 23rd verse, Because what I want to express these truths to you this morning is the freedom that Christ paid and the supreme sacrifice in order for us to be free and serve Him with true liberty. And uh, I want us to learn how to walk and learn to learn the ability to walk in the liberties given to us. Listen, we're free people. You're free. 
I, I, I was, we were talking to an individual one day, and um, they called us and wanted us to talk to them. Nobody here at our church was a different, totally different individual. But uh, I was sitting there listening, and every, every other sentence she was talking about the darkness and the devil and demons and all of the powers of darkness. And, and finally at the end I said, you know, I've heard a lot about the powers of darkness, and I've heard a lot about the demonic powers, but I haven't heard about the power of the blood here. <laughs> We're covered by the blood. We're redeemed by the blood. And I, I want you, and that's what she called us for to talk to. And I said, "We, I want you to see and understand you are free in Jesus Christ. And the devil has no right, no right whatsoever to do anything to deter you from that freedom that's yours. Hallelujah. Well, you know what she did? She thanked me. <laughs> Sometimes people just haven't heard. Sometimes people just haven't had someone to stand up and proclaim the truths of the gospel. And listen, the truth of the gospel is we're God's children. We're liberated. We're freed. We're no longer in bondage. The devil has no more control over us as believers. And I want to share that with you a little bit this morning as we begin to get. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 23. The Lord, Moses wrote these uh, books first five books of the Bible, by the way, and, and uh, he said he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he swore to our fathers. Now, I want to emphasize that again. He brought us out from there to bring us in to give us the land. Hallelujah. You're no longer in the same place you were before Jesus met you. Because He said, I brought you out. What did He bring us out of? Bondage, sin, corruption, defeat, all of the things that the devil brings into our lives. He brought us out of that to bring us where? Into the land that land, the land that He gave Israel, is a symbol of a spiritual place that God brings us into. And that is a place of liberty, a place of victory, a place of health, a, a place of prosperity, a place of blessings, abundant blessings, a place where our families are covered by the blood. Hallelujah. And we have the right to claim them for the kingdom of God, just as we heard this morning. A lot of prayer went up. But he called and said, I'm no longer bound. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Freedom. Now look at John verse eight, or chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus is speaking here. And he just makes this statement, You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. How are we free? Because of the truth. If you go to another country and you were arrested for something, you know you got every right in the world to go to the embassy of the United States of America. Unless you were just you got arrested for something naughty <laughs> that you shouldn't have been doing anyway. 
But if they just arrest you for looking so good looking, you know, or whatever, you, you got that right. Thank God we've got a covering. There's a covering for us. Jesus is our covering today. And he said you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, Galatians, the fifth chapter, in the first verse, I want to just read all of these three scriptures together. Paul's writing to the church at Galatia. A lot of the churches, they would uh, hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they would be born again. They would be liberated and set free. But many times, legalism would creep in. And in Paul's day, it would be Judaism or the uh, law, uh, the, the, the law that they lived by prior to the coming of the Lord and, and Him redeeming us. We've been redeemed. Praise God. We've been redeemed. There's no way you could keep the law anyway. How many knows that? How, how many's ever tried to get up one morning, I'm going to do good today? And somebody comes up and just makes you madder than a hornet. And you just tell them off. And guess what? You weren't good. <laughs> but Paul had this problem with the church at Galatia. They tried to bring back the law instead of grace. Now listen, I want to, I want to determine something right now. Grace does not give you the right to just go out and do what you want to do. Grace doesn't give you the right to get up and just use God's name in vain and, and all. Now listen, I heard a preacher preach one time and he used the Lord's name in vain. And he talked about grace. Grace. Hey, listen, this, all this stuff is going on out there whether we know it or not. I heard another big preacher of a big mega church that I don't have much use for anyway. But uh, he was talking and he, he turned over to look at some young lady and he was making some lewd remark. As far as, uh, you know, it just wasn't appropriate for a man of God and a married man of God to be doing that in any way. And I'm saying, here's a man who's got thousands of people in his church, and they're just applauding and just laughing and carrying on. Listen, grace doesn't give you the right to live like you want to live and do what you want to do. But grace does give you the right to come boldly to the throne room of grace and obtain mercy and find help to uh, grace to help you in the time of need. And God will give you the ability, that enabling power of the grace of God, to help you be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know what? I don't want to cuss. Because God gave me the grace not to. I couldn't cuss anyway. I, couldn't, I didn't even know cuss words. I was raised in a preacher's home. And I didn't, I didn't know, when I was out there trying to live for the world, you know, one time, I tried to, I was out there trying, and I had to think, what was that cuss word I heard over here? And I'd say it, and it wasn't even appropriate. wasn't even in the right spot. You know, and uh, one of my friends said, you know, you're different, Clarence. And, you know, it wasn't but three weeks after that, I mean, I got an experience with the Lord. The Holy Ghost brought me out of that pew and put me down to the front. And I was bawling squalling like a baby. And I was hugging everybody and hugged my daddy and hugged the post. I don't know anything that wouldn't move. I hugged, you know. And uh, God's love was in me. But, but I got changed. I went to school the next day. And we were walking and my friend says, there's something different about you today. What happened to you? I just smiled. I said, you know, I went to church yesterday, and something got a hold of me. Hallelujah. 
And it was the Holy Ghost. It was the power of the Lord. And I said, I don't do those things no more. He said, I knew there was something different about you. And he just smiled and just walked on, you know. But listen, Paul said this to the Galatians. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ had made us free, and not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast in the liberty that's yours. You've got a right to stand fast when the devil comes up against you and try to bring you back down and tempt you and to tell you that uh, you, you didn't get what you thought you got and all of this stuff. You've got the right to stand fast and say, devil, you are a liar. God's word is the truth. And the truth makes me free. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, Christ is the liberator. He came down to deliver us from the power of Satan. Over in 1 John 3, 8, God, for this purpose. Well, let's read the whole verse. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, this is 1 John 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came knowing, see, the devil had stolen this earth. He stole the earth. The earth belonged to God. He stole it because Adam and Eve were deceived by his lies and they believed a lie, and they gave in and yielded to him, and because of that, legally, the devil took over. But aren't you glad that God just didn't leave it like that? He's always got a bigger plan than the devil's got. Hallelujah. And in his big blueprint that he has, he had a blueprint where he would send his only son, and he become the supreme sacrifice and redeem the world, uh, the human race, back to God. And he's also got a plan. This earth and all the fullness thereof belongs to God. And one day, soon, this earth will be reclaimed. Hallelujah. And not only that, this earth that we're on today will be utterly destroyed. And God will create a brand new earth. Hallelujah. And new heavens. So thank God. We've got, we've got something to look forward to. We've got something to look at what God says. But it said uh, that... For this purpose he was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Sin, sickness, disease, poverty. All those are works of the devil. Because the Lord said when he redeems us, he purchases us. And isn't that what Jesus read from the book of Isaiah? That he came, the Spirit of the Lord is upon him, to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted to restore, to heal, to save and redeem. That, that's his whole purpose of it all. And so therefore, the Lord has a... He, he came, he was manifested, Jesus came, manifested in the flesh to destroy the works of the devil. When we leave here today, I want you to leave here knowing that the devil hadn't got a chain about your neck saying, I'm going to lead you where I want you. I'm going to make you do what you're going to do because I'm going to make you do it. No, he has no power. We've been delivered from the power of darkness. And we need to understand what the Lord... Look at Galatians 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. 
Christ has redeemed us. That, re that word redeem means purchase back. We've been purchased. We've been bought back. We have been brought back to God. We're His property now. We're His possession. And we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Look at uh, Colossians 1.13. I know I'm reading a lot of scriptures to you, but all of this ties in. Colossians, the first chapter, the 13th verse. He has delivered us. Everybody say has. See, that's past tense. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. See, we're in this world, but not of this world. Isn't that amazing? We're here, but not of it. We're here, but we've, been, we've got a new government over us. We don't have the government of flesh or the government of sin that operates and controls us. We have been transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. Jesus is Lord in His kingdom. Hallelujah. And therefore, we've been delivered, we've been transferred into the kingdom of His dear Son. He set us free. Christ has set us free. Not going to, He has set us free. But now, I'm going to get down to the nitty-gritty of what I'm going to preach to you about. <laughs> now, it's our responsibility to walk in that freedom. We're free... And if we allow ourselves to be put in bondage, guess what? God didn't do that. God didn't allow that. God didn't put you there. We put ourselves in that position by believing lying vanities. Isn't that what Jonah said? When Jonah was in, 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 when he was in that boat, you know? Believing lying vanities, they forsake their own mercy. See, we believe the lies of the enemy and forsake the mercies of God. We believe the lies of the enemy and forsake the blessings of God and the life of God that's in us. We forsake the protection of God. We forsake everything that God is. If we believe lying vanities, we forsake our own mercy. But we've been delivered. Amen? Now, Christians can, and they do, yield to the devil sometimes and his devices. And if I ask anybody in here, anybody ever sinned after you got saved and you, or never sinned after you got saved and you raise your hand, I'm going to say, come up here, you just sinned. Amen? Because every one of us, one time or other, we have chosen, and I won't use that word chosen, because sin has no power over us. If we do sin, now thank God, God made some provisions there. And John, he said, if you do sin, if you do, I've had to use this scripture a time or two. If we do sin, we have an advocate with God the Father, Jesus Christ, the propitiation for our sins. 
We have an attorney. Hallelujah. We've got the best attorney in the world, Jesus Christ. And he's our attorney today. But if we do, I want, I want to emphasize that word, if. I'm not telling you you got a license to go sin. I'm saying if you do. If we do falter. If we do fall. We have an advocate with God the Father. The flesh has to be subdued. We have to keep our desires in, in, in uh, uh, subjection to what God desires. We, we've got to keep ourselves in a position to where we want to please Him in everything we do. Our language should please the Lord. Our thoughts should please the Lord. Our actions should show that our thoughts and our mouth is lined up with the Word. Because that's what God's will is, that we're free. We're free. We're free from sin. Sin has no power over us. The devil has no power over us. And if I can just emphasize that, and you're going to hear me say that often over and over and over and over and over and over, because we have victory. I remember several years ago, back in the late 70s, we preach just like we preach now. Message don't change. The gospel doesn't change. Amen? People change. <laughs> so it's the same word. It's the same gospel. It's the same truth. I get, I get kind of tired of all these people. Well, we need a new word. No, the new word that they got isn't from God. Some of it's new age stuff. Some of it's not even godly. Some of it's not even biblical. We need the word of the Lord. The word from God. I remember this lady. She was really having some struggles and and not that she was going out sinning or anything like that, but she was just having some struggles in areas in her life that the devil was just beating her up on. And she was there for probably six months hearing us preach, teach, preach, teach. And right in the middle of the service, she jumped up and said, Hallelujah! I see it! I see it! I see it! And she saw, finally, what we were trying to preach. And she got it. And she never had no trouble in that area again because she realized Jesus transferred her into the kingdom of light where he's Lord and he's victorious. He's got the victory. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom where he's Lord over every situation. Hallelujah. Now, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. I always get tired of people trying to blame God for all the bad things. The Bible specifically states the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now that that's that's pretty ironclad. I mean it's it's just as plain as the nose on your face. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean it's it's there. You it's not it's not going to be changed. The word listen, it's there. Jesus is Lord. Victory is ours. Jesus has come. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I like old Robert's definition. He said, the devil is a bad devil and God is a good God. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Pretty simple. 
Yet that simplicity of his message carried him around the world, proclaiming liberty to people. And God honored the word. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, listen, the devil's a liar. Jesus is Lord. He's victorious. But the thief comes to steal. The devil's a bad devil. God is a good God. The devil wants to kill you. God wants to give you life. The devil wants to steal from you. God wants to give back to you. The devil wants to bring all kinds of sickness and disease. God wants to let healing flow because he's paid for it. It's ours. We can have it in the name of Jesus. Praise God. I've claimed it ever since I got a hold of the Word. Ever since I got a hold of the Word of the Lord. Ever since I got a hold of what God was saying. Ever since I could understand what the Lord meant for me to have. Ever since then, I've begun to realize, you know, Jesus is Lord. The thief comes to steal. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. That word, another translation says, I've come that you might have life and enjoy life. I've seen so many believers not enjoying life. They don't enjoy anything. (laughs) They don't enjoy anything. Uh, I mean, it's all misery. Everything's misery. Everything's bad. Everything's gloomy. There's no good in nothing. I mean, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of like the the old uh, rhyme. You know, pussycat, pussycat, where have you gone? Pussycat, pussycat, where have you been? I've been to the Queen's Palace. Well, pussycat, pussycat, what did you see? I saw a mouse under the Queen's chair. And you know that's exactly the way it is. We're here in the splendor of the kingdom of God, the glory of the Lord, the power of God, the redeeming power of God, the healing power of God, uh, the, the, the blessing power of God. Everything about God is good. And sometimes all we're going to see is that little mouse under the tree. I mean, under the tree, chair. You know, uh, the preacher's tie was crooked. Uh, or, uh, uh, you know, he, he stumbled over a word or two. Well, I may stumble over a few more before it's over with, you know. But that just proves I'm a human. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you see, what I'm saying is we, we've got to begin to come to that place. I want to enjoy life. And the only way to enjoy life is to enjoy what Jesus has done for us. He has redeemed us. Transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son, where He's Lord. So victory is ours in the name of Jesus. Amen. But the thief, the thief, listen, the devil wants to steal anything good. The devil, some of you can hear a good word from the Lord today and go out that door and the devil can stack that word right out of your heart. Amen. We're going to pray God give them supernatural memory, supernatural recall. That when they go and the devil comes up against them, that supernatural recall them. Just bring up the Word, the Scriptures, and that living Word of God. Because, you, listen, you're going to combat the devil with the Word. Isn't that what Jesus did when he was on the Mount of Temptation? The devil said, hey, if you'll do this, I'll do this. And the Lord just repeated it and came back with him with Scriptures. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Amen? He, he just come back with the Word. 
and say, it's written. <laughs> this is what it is. This is what God said. This is what my Father says. And this is what it's going to be. So we're going to get supernatural recall. The enemy. Now, the enemy gains entrance into people's lives through different avenues. There's different entrances. My wife doesn't like these big bugs out here in North Texas. I introduced her to the big tree roaches when I took her down to Houston. Oh, she didn't know about those tree roaches. I did. And she liked to go for a walk in the evenings. And so we was going down those, walking down this sidewalk and just walking, and, and this tree roach just, and I didn't tell her they flew, you know. But this tree roach just kind of flew out right down and touched her on the shoulder. And, and you thought she was having a Pentecostal benefit right there. And uh, I, I mean, she said, you didn't tell me about this. You didn't tell me. I said, yeah, I tried to, but, you know, I don't know how to describe it, you know. I said, but they're not going to hurt you. You're bigger than they are. <laughs> just slap them away. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I tell off on her. But the enemy gains entrance through many ways. Number one is our tongue. Did you know what we say gets us in more trouble than anything? What we say opens a door for the enemy. Have you ever used these terminologies? Well, I'm afraid that this is going to happen. I'm afraid the devil's going to do this. I'm afraid that, you know... I, I, you know, we use that word afraid so long that we have let it dominate our lives and dominate our thinking. I'm afraid. Fear is not of God. The word fear is F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. We don't have nothing to fear because we've got the power of God in our life. But we fear. We say, I'm afraid. We had people... Uh, young couples, you know, that want to go out after church and fellowship. And, and uh, some of them say, well, I just can't afford that. I just can't afford that. And uh, I, I got them aside one day. I said, look, don't, don't say you can't afford it. Now, I realize you can't live above your means. How many understand that? You've got to use wisdom. But I said, but don't let the devil keep you in prison saying you can't afford because you say you can't afford that, then you can't afford to give. You can't afford to tithe. You can't afford to do this. You can't afford to help somebody else. Because the devil's got you in bondage saying you can't afford. I said, what you ought to do, just say, no, you know, we're just not going to eat out tonight. Hallelujah. Oh, you don't have to explain nothing. Don't give the devil no room. But we use our tongue, I'm afraid. Job said this about fear. He said, the thing that I greatly feared has come up on me. Because he said. He said. He said. Praise God. Even, even after all of the calamities happened to Job, his old tongue, he tried to talk his way out of it. I don't know why God's doing this to me. I don't know why. I don't deserve this. I've been a holy man of God. And, you know, he, he was given all these righteous excuses why this shouldn't be happening. But you know what he finally did say? 
the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. He was afraid. In the very first chapter of Job, talks about he was the richest man in the east, the wealthiest person in that region. And every day, now look at this, every day he offered sacrifices and prayed for his children because they might have sinned against God. Fear. Fear. Have you ever had fear for your kids? I mean, you know, I remember when my daughter got her driver's license. I mean, when I was teaching her how to drive, I was scared. You know, but when she was driving by herself, and I'll never forget, she went to get her driver's license, and and we had, uh, our car was in the shop, so we had a little rental car, and it was a, it was a, it was a small car, and she could really maneuver that little car, you know. And uh, she wanted to take her test in that car. And we got there in that car, and they said, you can't take a test in a rental car. That's part of the contract. You can't take a driver's test. In a, I didn't even know that, but I found that out that day. And here we were. Oh, she was just bawling and calling because she wanted to get her driver's license. She was 16 years old, and she wanted to get her driver's license and be able to drive and show off the car at school, you know, and all of this. And she, and finally I had a friend of mine, and I called him, and I, I said, Harlan, I said, can you come over and assist us and bring one of your vehicles? I thought he'd bring a car. Well, he brought his big old pickup. My little daughter, she sees that. She just starts bawling and squalling, going history. I can't drive that. I can't drive that. I can't do it all. I'm not going to get my life. I said, just hush. I said, now listen. This is all we got. We can't do it in the rental car because they won't let us. I said, so you're going to have to do it in Harlan's pickup. Harlan, of course, he's a fatherly figure anyway. He's got his kids of his own grandkids. He said, now come on, Stacy. And he, he said, just get in the car, get in the driver's seat. I'm going to just drive you around for a little while and just kind of let you get the feel of this big old pickup. And he just drove her around, got the feel of that pickup. And she got back there, and she was still kind of whimpering. And he said, come on, let's do it again. So they did it again. And finally, when she got back, I said, think you can do it? She said, I believe I can. And she did. And she got her license. Hallelujah. But she didn't want me to go buy her pickup. She wanted a little car, you know. But uh, fear. And then I'll never forget when she got her license, you know, the first time she took off in that car to go somewhere, I said, you hear the siren going, oh, no. <laughs> the devil puts all these. Listen, that's fear. I said, that's fear. Job had a fear for his children, and the Bible said he prayed every day, offered sacrifices because he was afraid they might have sinned. thing that he feared came upon him. And not only in that area, in all other areas. Fear was controlling his life in everything that he did. Fear. So listen, we don't want to open the door of fear. We don't want fear to operate in our lives. Amen? Uh, sometimes involvement in the occult. Sometimes you get involved in the occult and don't even know you're involved in the occult. <laughs> 
Now, shame on you if you are involved in the cult and don't know you're involved in the cult because the occult is of the devil. <laughs> Music. Some people get into hard rock. Oh, and I know this is a touchy thing here. Even country western music. Now, you can tell I love the country western beat. Amen? But I'm talking about the lyrics of some of the country western songs. It's always talking about running around on their spouse or is my ring on your finger tonight. And uh, How many understand what I'm saying? It's, it's all of the song. I heard a song one time when I was driving back and forth to work. And it was almost persuaded. And I thought it was a Christian song because there is a song, Almost Persuaded. And it wasn't talking about being almost persuaded to come to the Lord. It was almost persuaded to go cheat on the wife or something, you know. <laughs> Sometimes that opens the door. Rejection. Feelings of rejection. Nobody cares. Nobody really knows what I'm going through. Nobody really understands what I've got in my, on my plate. Nobody cares. And you got that rejected feeling. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. I want to tell you something. Even as believers, even as believers, if something's happened in our past somewhere with an individual or a spouse or a friend or whatever, we have to release them. You've got to forgive. Unforgiveness will keep you in bondage. I want joy. How about you? I want the pure peace of God. I, I don't want anything holding me back from what God has for me. Unforgiveness will do that. Now, how do we get free? We repent. <laughs> Isn't that simple? Godly sorrow works repentance. We repent. Now, I'm still talking to believers here this morning. See, sometimes believers have to repent. Isn't that what John said? If you do sin, if you do sin, we have an advocate with God the Father, Jesus Christ, the perpetuation for our sins. In other words, we can ask God to forgive and He will forgive. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of that. Repentance is necessary. Repentance is necessary. Modernism teaches it's not necessary. Modernism just teaches you just go through life like you just keep on going through life. No, no. You, repentance is a total turnaround from where you were headed. It's a total dismissal of everything. And, and, and we've got to come to that point where we can get ourselves turned around in repentance. I'm talking about spiritually, physically sometimes, emotionally, financially. We got to re listen. How many's ever gotten a in a in a, in a in a bad situation? I got in a scam one time years and years ago. Christians got me into that. Holy Ghost filled Christians, brother Clarence. This is the real thing. Brother Copeland's in it. Brother Hagen's in it. Blah blah blah. blah. I said, wow. So I did. I had a car paid for, a brand new car paid for. I went and sold that car and put that money on that scam. Had to go rent a car for a while. <laughs> Y'all still listening to me? 
So don't come to me about no scam. I'm not going to get no scam no more. It turned out the fellow that was over that scam was going to churches, getting people in churches into this scam, and he ended up getting caught, put in jail. Ended up dying with cancer in the jail. I vowed that day, I said, Lord, never, never again will I be duped. (laughs) I'm going to follow the methods of the Word of God. If I'm going to prosper, I'm going to do it because I give and you give back. I'm going to prosper because I help the poor or give to those in need. I'm not going to try to get involved in a scam. Now, listen, that doesn't mean God can't lead you in an investment somewhere and and in a godly investment and something that will make you money for the future. There's no, listen, I'm, we're not against that. I'm talking about scams. <laughs> I'm talking about get-rich-quick schemes, you know. There ain't no such thing. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, listen. Well, I better not get into that. I, I've even heard some preachers say, you give a $1,000, God will pay off your house this year. Yeah, I knew some people who did that, and they didn't. Have, they couldn't even pay their house off. Couldn't even make their payments hardly. No, that's not God's method. That's not God's way. We give out of love. We give out of obedience to God. I don't have to be scammed. I don't have to be enticed to give and to do something big. We can just follow the leadership of the Lord. Amen. But unforgiveness. So we need to repent. The Bible says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil. Everybody say, resist the devil. Submit yourselves to God, and then resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. Now that word submit in the original means to rank under. It's a military term, to rank under and be submissive, obey orders. We're submissive to God. We're submissive to the plan of God. But then there's a scripture down in 2 Timothy. The second chapter, the 24th through the 26th verse. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach and patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. I got to look at this scripture one day, those that oppose themselves. The word oppose means to resist the truth. There's a lot of Christians that are opposing themselves. It's not anybody else doing any harm to them. They're opposing themselves and keeping themselves in bondage. But we're free. Some allow bitterness. Some allow sorrow. I've told this story, but I was in service and a a lady was there that God directed me to. And God said, she needs to be free. And she was sitting there just not really participating and not really getting into the... It was at a Bible study at a house. And I, I told her, I said, ma'am, I said, I said, God just showed me 
that your husband died six years ago. And she looked. She said, that's, that's correct. And I said, six years ago, you had the funeral. And I said, you held everything on the inside. You didn't cry. You didn't weep. You just hoarded it all on the inside. And I said, what's happening? Because she had discussed it with some people and it had came out. And she said that she did, couldn't feel the presence of the Lord. She didn't feel God. She couldn't feel the Lord in her life. And I said, because, not because your husband died, but because you didn't allow the grieving process to take place. I said, you never even shed a tear. You never even grieved. Even after the service, the funeral service, you never even grieved. You never even had sorrow. You never had. Listen, I'm not talking about us having to walk around in sorrow. We know that when our loved one's going to be with the Lord and they're, they're Christians, they're in the presence of God. Amen. But there's still a sorrow. There's still a grief that comes along as a human sorrow and a human grief that's there that we have to. Listen, sometimes you've got to let it all out because that's healing for you. God wants to bring healing. And I prayed for her, and the Spirit of the Lord, the power of God just moved on her. She just laid out in the floor, you know. And she, in, in about ten minutes, she, she began to groan and travail like she was at a funeral service. And she did that, and all of a sudden, when she got done, a big smile just came over her face. And she began to rejoice in the Lord. And lifted her hands up in the Lord and just began to praise God in her prayer language. Hallelujah. And she got up from there. Her whole countenance was changed because, you see, the devil had kept her in bondage. She was not free. She'd go to church. She'd go to prayer meetings and Bible study, but she wasn't free. And that freedom, that, that bondage she was in was showing outwardly, but it was also holding her inwardly to where she could not be free in the Lord and God Thank God. God brings a man or a woman of God on the scene sometimes to just uncover that because she, she was opposing herself. There was a shield up. And she was opposing herself. I went through that myself. I'm not going to go into the great details of the story, but when I first year of, of college, I was coming home one night. I was married. I was driving home. At 10 o'clock, I went to classes at night. And worked all day. I was coming home, and a car, a young man on a bicycle, Hispanic man, he just, all of a sudden I see his bicycle just coming straight towards my car. I don't even have time to veer or nothing. He just, he hits it head on, and he goes, I see him in the rearview mirror as his body hits and lands right in the middle of the pavement. I get out. I mean, I'm in shock. I'm, I'm in total shock. I, I panic. There was a convenience store about a half a mile down. My trailer, my mobile home where we live was about a half mile up. I didn't know which way to go. We didn't have a phone. That's how poor we were back then. We didn't even have a phone. But we, And I, I, I did. I, thank God the Holy Ghost put his hand on my shoulder and just kept me there. Because if I'd left the scene, it'd been big trouble. But the police came. The people came back that was in front of me. They saw the sparks flying from the, from the thing. Thank God they came back. They saw, because he had tried to do the same thing with them, but they missed him. And they saw what he was trying to do. They ruled it a suicide. 
I had to go down to the police station. Down there till four in the morning. Come back that morning. Went, got back into the routine of things a couple of days later. Didn't realize anything was wrong. But all of a sudden, I'd go to church. You know, we'd go to church like we was always doing on the weekends and, and during the week. And I'd go to church, but I didn't feel nothing. There was nothing on the inside. I couldn't. I didn't want to raise my hands. I didn't want to clap. Didn't want to sing. Didn't. And I always loved to do music. Didn't want to do nothing. And I just going, going, going. Go to. I'd go to classes at night. I'd just sit there, and it was just like I was just a zombie sitting there in class. At least I was present, getting credit for that. But I. But I. This went on for two weeks, or well, this went on for several months. Actually, two or three months. And uh, but I'll never forget one night in class. You see, I was opposing myself. I wouldn't open up to the Lord. I wouldn't let. I wouldn't let my. I wouldn't let the spirit. My spirit be freed by the power of God. I, w- I wouldn't allow. I wouldn't allow it. I was opposing myself. But in class one night, I'll never forget Sister Elizabeth Williams. She's the dean. She was teaching pneumatology the, the, on the Holy Spirit, and she was a woman of God. I'll tell you what. That woman prayed, and when she prayed, you knew she prayed. <laughs> God did things. But she came in that night, and she just draped herself over the podium and just started sobbing and just groaning and travailing in the Spirit and just sobbing. And she said, Class, we're not going to have class. Just get on your knees. We're going to pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. And they got on their knees. I got on my knees, too, because I didn't want nobody to know anything wrong with me, you know. So I got down there, and I was up by a chair, and all of a sudden I felt these little bony hands on my neck, and, and she had a little shrill voice. She said, Class, just let go. Just turn loose. Let go. You know? <laughs> and she just began to pray. And you know what? Something Something broke. Something broke. I mean, like a gully washer come out of me. I began to sob and to weep. And, and that, see, the, all that stuff I'd held in for all those two or three months was there. But I, I was opposing myself. I was opposing myself. Listen, there's many people in church that oppose themselves. They're rejected. They, they, they've, they've failed. They have tremendously failed. They feel like there's, there's guilt that just hovers over them and keeps them in bondage. Guilt and and that feeling of unworthiness, you know. And listen, there's people in church that oppose themselves. They come to the house of God, but they're opposing themselves. And this morning, God wants you to say, get ready, because the liberator's here. The liberator's here. Jesus is here. He came to set us free. He came to make us free. He came to deliver us from the power of darkness and translate us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He came to take care of that bondage. But what we've got to do is open up and quit opposing ourselves and say, Lord, here am I. Do what you need to do. Hallelujah. And God will do it because God's for us and not against us. See, they oppose. Freedom is ours. It's paid for. What we need to do is allow God's presence today to invade our space and bring us total victory. Victory's ours. Some of us haven't experienced the peace of God in a long time. I want to tell you something. God's peace is yours. Some of us haven't experienced the joy of the Lord. That joy is yours. Some of us haven't experienced that feeling of acceptance in the kingdom of God. You're accepted. You're accepted because God's accepted you. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter what our past... It don't, I don't care what you did yesterday. God's presence is here to liberate. 
and he'll set us free because he's victorious in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We just give you glory for your word today, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, I want us just to shut our eyes for just a moment. Jesus breaks every fetter. Jesus breaks Jesus breaks every fetter, and He sets me free. Could you lift your hands and sing it? Let God liberate you. Oh, Jesus breaks. Every fetter Jesus breaks Every fetter Jesus breaks Every fetter And He sets me, could you just stand to your feet this morning and just lift both hands and just sing it to the Lord? I'm going to proclaim liberty to your spirit. I'm going to proclaim peace to your heart. I'm going to proclaim the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, unspeakable and full of glory to begin to bubble forth in our lives. I'm going to proclaim health, healing for our bodies because He bore the stripes on His back that we might be healed. Amen. I want you to just lift your hands and just let God break that fetter. Whatever it is, let Him break it. Oh, Jesus breaks every fetter. Jesus breaks every fetter. Oh, Jesus breaks every fetter, and He sets me free. One more time, just let the Lord break it right now. Oh, Jesus breaks every fetter. Jesus breaks every fetter. Jesus breaks every fetter. And He sets me free. And I will shout. Hallelujah. I will shout Hallelujah.
I will shout Hallelujah For He sets me Could we lift our hands Let's just shout it out loud to the Lord Hallelujah Oh, I will shout Hallelujah I will shout Hallelujah I will shout Hallelujah For He sets me just lift your hands and just praise Him today. We're free. <laughs> We're free. We're free. We're free. We're free. I'll shout hallelujah. I will shout. Hallelujah I will shout Hallelujah I will shout Hallelujah For He sets me free. Take hands of that person next to you. Father, right now we join together. Thank you for the power of agreement. The power of the Holy Ghost. Father, we're just asking right now that you move supernaturally in the hearts of every person. Lord, we thank you for the liberty that's ours. We proclaim it loudly. We proclaim it boldly. We shout hallelujah for the victory that's ours. Father, we thank You for Your healing power that flows. Lord, Your redeeming power. Your delivering power. Thank You, Lord, that every spirit of infirmity has to leave in the name of Jesus. Because victory's ours. And Lord, we just give You praise. Thank You for the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and say you're glad you're glad to see them and you sure look good since you've been freed. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. God bless you. See you tonight at six o'clock. Amen.